scriptures this morning. Job the 19th chapter and the 25th, 1 through the 25th verses. And I won't reread them again. But what I want to hone in on this morning is Job the 19th chapter and that final verse. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And the subject of the message this morning is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want to repeat that again. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You don't hear, most time you don't hear nowadays certain words that we always used to use along the way and over the years, especially back back in the day. Amen. And that was the word of redemption. Redemption is an old word that goes back to a time when slaves could be brought by benefactors or sponsors to be granted freedom. And when poor prisoners suffering helplessly would need someone to take them. And what I thought about when I was given this topic this morning, let the redeem of the Lord say so. I couldn't help but rejoice because it sounds like giving God the praise. Amen. Sounds like giving God the praise. And so I say, yes, I will go with that. And just as I testified a minute ago about the young man came back, and we were there rejoicing because he had been redeemed. And we both together are redeemed, and we had to let the Lord know. We had to send out a shout of praise unto the Lord. Redemption from a decrepit debtor's jail could be released free and clear by someone without need paying off their debts. In Christian theology, it states, redemption is a metaphor for what is achieved through the atonement. Therefore, there is a metaphorical sense in which the death of Jesus pays the price of a ransom, releasing Christians from bondage of sin and death. Hebrews 9 and 12, which we didn't read, it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place 
once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Having retained, obtained eternal redemption. So what that means to us is that we've been obtained or we've been taken back from the devil. He thought he had us, but we got away. For every situation, circumstance, problem, emergency, dilemma, for every tragedy, there's always a rescue effort going on somewhere. Well, God is always in the rescuing business, redeeming mankind from a sinful life. God is our redeemer who will live forever. He will never die, or will he be found dead because he is a mighty God. In fact, he can't be destroyed because he is a spirit. John 4 and 24 says, They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Prince of Peace is his son and the Holy Spirit all working together for the salvation of mankind. Briefly this morning, we will hear testimonials of major Bible characters that will share with us their life experiences during some of the most challenging times of their lives. In the book of Job, it opens up with dialogue, Job dialoguing with Bildad. He was faced with what seemed like a lifelong dilemma he suffered, that suffered the loss of his family, possessions, and everything, every single thing that he owned. Then here comes three friends. One on one hand consoled him, and on the other hand condemned him, asking, what sin did you commit? Sometimes it does not always take for you to do something wrong for trouble to invade your space. It just comes when it gets good and ready. And sometimes we are not even ready. Now just imagine, you got three friends. Most of us have about that many, and most of us don't have any we can call real friends. But three friends came three separate times and asked him what sins did he commit. And I can just imagine him thinking, why are you asking me all these stupid questions when you see I'm in pain? Why do you come and you ridicule me? Why do you come and step on my feet when I'm hurting? Why did you come and ostracize me? Why did you come and 
cast me down and spit on me and do all of the above, even use some choice words at a time when I'm hurting. No one wants to suffer such atrocities. When we look in John the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 3, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, what, who, did, who did sin, the man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither, this, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So as I forestated, it does not always take for you to do something wrong for trouble to invade your space. Trouble is like a bullet. It has no name written on it. It will find you at the most inconvenient time in your life. I'm reminded when I was serving in the military, we took the day or the afternoon to go over to the gym and do some physical training. Most of them arrived there, didn't have no mind to do no training. They went to play around. So at that particular time, I was 35 years old. Thank God I'm standing here today at 60. <laughs> and the younger guys asked me to play. Say, come on, Sarge, play with us. And I said, okay, let's go. They didn't know I had a shot like I had at 35. So they were scrambling and they was biting their fingers, fingernails, and they were scurrying around all over the court. Every time I went up to hit a shot, it would fall through the nets. Amen. So they were stunned by that. They said, oh, man, you got some shots, don't you? You got, you got it going on. I said, no, i just been around a little while. So one of the opposing players, he got a little mad with me. So he decided to do something that I had not even expected to happen on the basketball court. He went right underneath me and clipped me off my feet. I was up pretty high for 35 years old, so I came down, and I split my head wide open. I must have hit it in the right place because I'm not crazy today. <laughs> so I just took about 15 stitches to get everything fixed up, but I did not expect for that to happen at that time. And so they wanted to start a fight on my behalf. I said, no, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Just give me a towel. 
So they rushed and got me a towel and brought it back. And it was, I was bleeding profusely. And so, I say that to say this. You can never tell when trouble of any kind is going to come your way. You can never tell. Neither can you be prepared. So the best thing for us to do is pray. Job begins as Bildad himself had begun in both cases. His last speech had been so offensive that Job did well by asking Bildad, How long will ye persecute me? How long will you bring me down? How long will you vex me and tear me into pieces with your words? Bildad had imparted a kind of personal cruelty in his accusations, which Job felt the most so that he was forced to ask. If I indeed have stumbled, doth not my error remained within myself. I alone suffer for it, and you do not even sympathize or suffer with me. Well, we can clearly see that his friends were not long-suffering, so they had one strike against him when it comes to having the fruit of the Spirit. Not everybody will hang with you when tough times come. Not everybody will stand by your side. If anything, they will cowardly back up and be gone. Quite frankly, that's the way it always play out. You have to carry your own cross. A little background, and I'll be done, on his three friends. Three friends were from three different places or three different tribes or sects. Eliphaz was a Temanite. Bildad was a Shuhite, and Zophar was a Namathite. All three of them converged on Job and began to ridicule him and scorn him and when they were supposed to be his friends. Bildad began his attack in the 18th chapter which was the cruelest of them all up until the 19th chapter. And I stopped for a moment while I was studying. I thought about that. I said, he did a lot of criticizing. He did a lot of ostracizing. He did a lot of things to what's supposed to be his good friend. You ever had a friend? 
that didn't stick close to you? Have you ever had a friend that turned their back on you? Have you ever had a friend to walk away and leave you? Well, take my advice. Keep on living, for it would surely happen. Cruel words were spoken by his closest friend. It left Job more wounded than if he had thrust a sword through him. They added injury to insult. But at the end of the day, Job says, even though I've been through it all, even though I've suffered the loss of my loved ones, I know my Redeemer lives. I know he lives because he brought me out, not one time, but he brought me out many times. And believe it or not, this morning, whether you've been saved a short time or a long time, you can look back and say that I know even then I had a Redeemer that lived. He lives both now, before, now, and after we're gone. Now let us hear from David just briefly. David, as most of us know him, to be a man after God's own heart. Lived through some tough times, in and out of battles, and the list goes on. But in 2 Samuel 18 and 18, he says, Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He was called, he called the pillar after his own name. And to this day it is called Absalom's monument. Absalom, David's son, died a tragic death. It was killed with two darts in his heart. It then goes on to 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter and the 7th verse. David was called out by Nathan, the prophet, and said, David, you are the man. But through it all, David was redeemed by God. David also recites, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And I conclude this morning. When all else fails and things are looking bleak, just say with the rejoicing voice, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen.